Good morning and welcome. We are here to praise the Lord this morning because of his goodness. This season and today we're going to focus on joy. He is so good. We have so much to praise him for this morning. I praise in the valley. Praise on the mountain. I praise when I'm sure. Praise when I'm doubting. I praise when outnumbered. Praise when surrounded. Praise is the water my enemies drown in. As long as Praise the 
you, God. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your presence, God. We praise you because no matter how we feel, no matter what we see, you are present. Your name and your word says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God, we know that you are here. We praise you for your presence this morning. We just rest in you, God, and we worship you. We adore you this morning.
Advent season, we've been we've been talking about that first advent of Jesus, what it felt like to be where they were. That in seven hundred and fifty years of silence, God had not spoken through the prophets. God had not spoken through anyone. There had been silence for those years. And we sing these words in our silence. Heaven whispered out. In our darkness, glory pierced the night. It's no different for us now. Except we've got Jesus inside of us. But when is at our salvation, when Jesus comes in that kind of second advent the silence the darkness that we experience without him is the same so this morning as we consider all the different ways that Jesus had made has made an advent in our lives I hope you'll be mindful of those things let me just pray for us right now Father, thank you for what was for me some time ago. Thank you that you came into the the darkness that an 11-year-old can have. And you show up and save me. Father, as we celebrate this morning, pray that we'll be more than mindful of the Christmas season and what it means for us. That it's a celebration year after year of your advent in our lives, personally as well as corporately. Lord, bless our time this morning as we hear from your word and what it means for us not 2,000 years ago, but what it means for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to remind you that the offering buckets are available during the service. Anytime you'd like to bring your offering, you can put them in the green boxes. You can uh, uh, give online, as many people do. But all those, uh, all those ways are available to you, and I encourage you to be a part of that. 
try out what God's promises are. Um, after the service this morning, we're having our uh, Christmas celebration that for this year is Fiesta Christmas, and uh, I hope you enjoy that because it'll be a little different from how we've done it before, but just uh, be blessed afterwards. And if you haven't brought something, there's plenty of food to go around, including tamales, um, a traditional Mexican Christmas that we're excited. I I don't know about y'all, but I'm excited about it. So um, we appreciate Adriana Douglas for taking care of some of those, but there's lots of food to go around. Um, I want to, to... let you know that Pastor Lee will be bringing the message. Most of y'all are familiar with him, but he's the longtime um, associate pastor at Victory Life Church in Durant, as well as being a pastor to many of the pastors in the organization now, and um, uh, board member and all those kind of things. He's he's a big dog. I mean, he doesn't let on or anything, but but he is, and so we're happy to have him and Ginger this morning sharing with us, and um, uh, happy to see Scott and Dana here. Um, we haven't seen them in a while, but glad to have them. Um, just, uh, I want you to take about five minutes and say hi to the people around you, and then we'll have a word from Pastor Lee. So during this Advent season, we have been doing the Advent wreath, and we uh We've done the past two Sundays, and this is the third Sunday of Advent, and we'll light the third candle. And I'm going to ask Greg if he'll come and do that. Greg Greenfield. Um, His favorite thing to do, talk on a mic. You know it. Months before angels appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem, Mary, having received the news from the angel Gabriel that she is to conceive the Messiah, visits her cousin Elizabeth. Mary has told little to no one of the promise that she carries. She has pondered the angel's words quietly to herself. No one yet sees the evidence of the child growing within her. And it is in this greeting between her and Elizabeth, we are met with the joyous confirmation Mary must have been longing for. Elizabeth's unborn son recognizes the presence of the Messiah. In this moment, Elizabeth's baby leaps within her, and she is filled with the Holy Spirit. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Loving God, as we light the third candle of this Advent wreath, we rejoice in your presence. May the light of this candle fill our hearts with the joy of your salvation. Help us to share the joy with others spreading your love and happiness in all we encounter. Merry Christmas and Feliz Navidad. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Lee, come and share with us about joy. 
Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up your word, open up our hearts, Lord God. Help us to see the power and the need for joy in our lives. We thank you for it and we praise you for it. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I think joy is one of those things we have trivialized in the Christian realm. I think we've minimized it. I don't think we understand the power of it. The shepherds were in the field. The angel showed up and said, fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy. Great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a child, a Savior, and his name is the Messiah. They've been looking for it for thousands of years, waiting for it, setting a table for him, and he's arrived. Joy came in a way that had never come before And I think somebody ought to write a song about joy. I think there's a possible for a song. And joy without a bullfrog. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. It's kind of funny. You you drink enough wine, you can name frogs Jeremiah. So, (laughs) Have, Have you ever been with family or friends and you laugh so hard your stomach hurts? You laugh so hard your cheeks are like, stop. Did you ever walk away from that going, God, I never want to do that again. That was terrible. No, there's something about joy that God intended for you and I to have. Now, I'm going to encourage you to read a book or get the book or get the audio. It's called The Other Half of Church. The first chapter, very hard to read unless you're a geek. But the book is filled with this. He's a neuroscientist who also loves Jesus. He calls himself a self-proclaimed neurotheologian. And he talks about the power of joy in our lives. As an infant, the power of joy is needed for us to transform and to be character built in the right way. You have to have joy. And you look for joy in the faces of those you are around. As a child, Ginger and I, we, we were at church the other day. And in front of us was a lady who had a newborn baby. And that baby was looking around. You know how babies do the lights and all the different things. But when the baby looked at our face and I smiled, this baby broke out in this just incredible smile. It just made you want to laugh. And then he would look at Ginger and smile. But then he'd look at others. And when they weren't smiling, you could see he wanted to smile. But because they weren't smiling, he wouldn't smile. But then he would turn back and look at us and smile Again, Now, I, I don't know. The book shared this, and I realized we actually do this, but I had to be told we did this before I started paying attention to it. You actually go through your day looking for somebody who's glad to be in your presence. You actually look, and it's mostly in the face. You're looking for the face of someone who's happy to be with you. We are built with the need for joy. And joy is always relational. First, with God. And because joy is a fruit of the Spirit and joy is something of the kingdom, our joy first actually is related to to God. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, right? And then we look for joy with others. We look for people who are happy to be with us. And I, I see joy written on t-shirts and trivial things here and there. But in, in the scriptures, 2 Timothy 3, 5, 
we have this statement that says, they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And there's, there's a difference between reading the scriptures about joy and actually experiencing joy. Now, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I just want to tell you what happened to me. When we had the COVID thing, I went to a person's house who would not come to the door to greet me. I had to speak to her through a double pane glass with a face mask on and then a shield. And she's quoting to me, God didn't give us the spirit of fear. Now, I think that's what that scripture means more than anything, or at least a part of it. That we can know the scriptures, but we don't actually know the scriptures. We can quote a thing, the joy of the Lord is our strength, but do we really experience that? We need to know God in such a way, and we need to know His Word in such a way that joy isn't just something we have on our t-shirt, but joy is something we actually experience. Now, I have a question for you. Please don't answer it. If you're taking notes, write this down in your notes. Are you a person of joy? Just think about that for a second. Are you a person that people would say you have joy in your life? And here's what I want to do. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about signs of insufficient joy. Here's signs of maybe you have a joy deficiency. It's not that you don't have joy every now and again, but maybe we need a little more joy in our life. The first sign I want to talk about is what I would call soul sickness. You have a lot of soul sickness. There are six things that you and I, negative emotions that we have to deal with on a regular basis, and mainly six, that others are connected to you. Let me read you the six, and then see, do you have a lot of this in your life? Sadness. Sadness is something that you and I experience periodically here and there, but if you have a lot of sickness in in that sadness experience, you don't have enough joy. Because God wants you to experience joy. Anger. Are you a person who is easily angered and you are angry often? If you are that individual, you have a joy deficiency. Shame. Are you an individual who is constantly feeling less than, ashamed? You have a whole lot of shame going on in your mind. Fear. Fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of... I'm not going to be able to pay the bills. I'm afraid I've got this particular thing going on in my body. I'm afraid people aren't going to like me. You know, the self-talk we have has a lot to do with what we experience in life. And there are a lot of people in their own self-talk, what they say to themselves, it's fear-based. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my, my. And the, the world and the enemy plays on that fear. Disgust. Now, here's the thing about disgust. Disgust is connected to offense. And I would love to take the time to talk about offense because offense kicks more people out of their destiny than drugs or alcohol and pornography and all the things that people want to preach about. Getting offended is very, very easy to do, but it's one of the things that takes people out of the race. And here's the thing. If you get offended at Pastor Steve, you will no longer be able to receive from him and the enemy wins. 
If you get offended at me, you will no longer be able to receive from me. Take a look at what Jesus could do everywhere else but his hometown. And the Bible says he could only heal a few sick folk. And the reason for that deficiency in the healings and miracles was the Bible says they were offended at him. We know where he came from. We know, I love this one, we know his sisters. I just, that cracks me up. We know his family. He can't be that great. So being offended, being disgusted, if you're offended a lot, you have a soul sickness. You need a joy boost. And then despair. Just flat out despair. And the reason I know this is a deficiency, Proverbs 17.22 says this, Joy or a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. If you have a soul sickness, what you need is the medication of joy. Now, some people need joy like intravenously shouting. <laughs> They're just, they don't have enough joy to even make it through the day. These signs are signs you need a joy boost. Because a merry heart does good like a medicine. Now, let me ask you something. When do you take medicine? Do you take medicine when you're healthy and everything's going good? No, you take medicine when you are sick. Now, I will tell you, the enemy will try to talk you out of joy in a, well, that's just, it's just the wrong time. You shouldn't have joy because this is a sad situation. I get what they're saying. But listen, that's when you need joy the most to balance out the sadness. Let me, let me just make it real for you. Why do we have family nights before a funeral? We have family nights to gather the family together and if it's done right, you are discussing the individual who's gone home to be with the Lord. And if it's done right, you're laughing about things that they did, things that they said, experiences you had with them. So you're experiencing joy in alongside and amidst the sadness. Now let me, let me tell you something that most people don't realize. Joy will not get rid of your problem. But joy will give you the strength to go through it. Joy comes alongside of it to make life worth living. And so when we're sad, the enemy will say it's the wrong time to have joy. But I'm telling you, it's the exact right time to have joy. And joy isn't just this, I'm a comedian, so I'm going to make you laugh. Joy is so much deeper than that. Here's what I have found. We have exchanged the eternal power of joy for the temporal feeling of fun. Joy, it goes so much deeper because joy is the culture of the kingdom. Write that down. That's something you can meditate on for a while. I feel, I feel bad for some Christians because they're going to make it to heaven, but then they're going to have to go to class to be happy. Because heaven is filled with joy. And I'll show that to you here in a minute. The culture of heaven is a culture of celebration. It's a culture of joy. Our Lord has joy that he wants us to have. Here's another sign. You have a need of a joy boost. The inability to endure hardships, difficulties. And we all have hardships and difficulties because we live in a fallen world. Can I get a witness? It doesn't matter what your confession is. Stuff happens in this world. Now let me say something to you. You are transformed in character and personality more by your connections than you are your confessions. 
You can confess all day long the Word of God, but who you connect with is who you become. And so it's important that we connect with people who are the right people. You know, if you don't have enough joy in your life, I would encourage you to go find somebody who does and get connected to them. You know, they actually have testimonies of people who were given a diagnosis by the doctor and they overcame that injury, that sickness, by just sitting down and watching the Three Stooges for hours and hours and hours. Or, or other cartoons or whatever. Are you able to go through the hardships? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, listen to this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now listen, joy gives you a vision of something that's greater and bigger than what your temporal reality is. It was set before him. Can I, can I give you an example? If you have a strong-willed child, I mean, they're always pushing the boundaries, always testing the things. I, you and I can get why some animals eat their young. Like I, I, I get it. But if you can have a vision, a joy vision of that child being an entrepreneur or a leader in the community, then you can endure the time knowing almost all the entrepreneurs, all the leaders are individuals that would have been called strong-willed. It's that, it's that drive to do my own thing that causes them to be great leaders, to go against the grain, to think outside of the box, to, to not want to be conformed. I don't want to do it because everybody else is doing it. If they're going left, I want to go right. That same tenacity is what causes people to create new things. People who would go, why can't we do that? Well, nobody's ever done it. Well, so what? Let's try this. So you have to have a vision. And joy gives you a vision that's greater than your present reality. I've watched in marriages. Great marriages have joy. Now, I'm not talking about we just sit around and are, are comedians to one another. I mean, we have joy. We actually enjoy being in each other's company. But I've watched marriages that don't have joy, they're in trouble. When a, when a couple, we had a couple in our office that were having knock-down, drag-out fights over the toothpaste. Because he would squeeze. He's a man. She was delicate. She would roll. And they had huge arguments. And they came to see me. And I'm like, wait, till I can get you the help you need, buy two tubes. Right? Let's, let's start out with at least finding some common ground. But listen, the problem is not the toothpaste. The problem is deeper things that find their vent in the toothpaste. But people who love one another and enjoy being with each other can go through the hardest of times and grow stronger and come out on the other side better. I've helped more 
people when it comes to marriage counseling by just encouraging them to go back to the dating scene. Well, why should I date? I'm married. Because you're miserable and about to get a divorce. That's why. So what happened when we were dating? (laughs) I heard a guy say one time, love makes you blind and marriage gives you glasses. Let me tell you, when you were dating, you put the other person first. Think about it, men. You would come home from work and your bride-to-be, she wasn't at that time you were dating her, but she'd say, I want to go to the movies. So you said, okay. You were tired, but you cleaned up, took her to the movies, went to work the next day tired, but you had a great time because you went to the movies. Then you get married You come home and she says, I want to go to the movies. And you say, honey, I'm tired. Let me tell you what she hears. You no longer value me like you did when we were dating. Men are notorious. And I'm I'm one of them. I had to learn. When I was dating Ginger, I found there are things that every woman likes. Some women like flowers, some like candy, some like flowers and candy, some like porcelain dolls, some like... I found what she liked and I would just buy it for her. Now, it wasn't her anniversary, we weren't married yet, it wasn't her birthday. I just was thinking of her, saw that, and she would like that. And then she says to me, you haven't bought me anything in a very long time. And I'm like most men, you got the checkbook? If you want it, buy it. Right? That's love for me. The to her so I've helped more people by saying just go back to the dating scene go back to doing what you did when you were dating go out to eat and enjoy yourselves when we go out to eat we we purposed in our heart a long time ago because we understood the power of joy when we go out to eat we don't talk about how much the meal is going to cost because then I can't enjoy it right We don't talk about problems with the kids. We don't talk about problems at the home. We don't talk about problems with our vehicle. When we go out, we go out to enjoy each other's company. And we purpose in our heart to laugh. To laugh at life. To laugh at each other. To laugh at the things that are going on. To enjoy in joy. That's what in means. It means in something. Enjoy each other. And when you put joy back into your marriage relationship, what happens is your marriage relationship gets stronger. If you have a sufficient amount of joy in your life, you have a strength that people that don't have joy don't have. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord. Thank you. It's not just joy. It's the joy of the Lord. Have, Have you seen pictures of the old Jesus 50 years ago, 40 years ago. He's so stoic. And hardly ever smiles. I'm not trying to be blasphemous here, but it looks like he's constipated. <laughs> it's part of the reason I love the chosen. I love the way that guy smiles and laughs and has fun with his disciples. The joy of the Lord... Our God has joy. He's full of joy. In His presence is fullness of joy. 
And so we ought to be a people of joy because with that joy comes the strength to endure hard things. It doesn't take away the hard things. You ask people who've been in concentration camps and been through hell and back, and it was tough. It was hard. But they had something on the inside the enemy couldn't take. Joy helps you endure those things. The cross was one of the most difficult things, if not the most harmful thing you could do to an individual. The Romans had perfected death. And the Bible says about that cross, the most painful thing a human being can go through, Jesus endured that for the joy set before him. Now, you know what I think that joy, at least in part, looked like? It looked like you and me. It looked like us being in the kingdom with him, fellowshipping with him. It looked like the Last Supper where we're enjoying a meal with our God together. I love the fact that we're having a meal after service today. That's a great way to connect and laugh. And I love that we're having Mexican food because it almost always has cheese in it. And sooner or later, one of that piece of cheese is going to get down on your chin. Like pizza or spaghetti. Sooner or later, it's going to put us all on the same playing field. Listen, when people forget or stop having joy in the ministry, that's when they quit and go sell insurance. You have to enjoy what God has called you to, because if you don't have joy in it, you won't endure the pain of ministry. The truth of the matter is, in ministry, I tell all my staff and all the people I'm raising up, your level of leadership will only go as far as your pain tolerance will take you. Because people are crazy. Look, write that down on your notes, okay? People, can I get a witness? People are crazy. <laughs> but let me help you out. We be people. Now, you can write this down in your notes too and laugh about it later. You are somebody's crazy. You are somebody's crazy. Having joy, the joy of the Lord, gives you strength to endure the hardships and pains of being involved in ministry. If you have lost the joy in your job, you won't last that job very much longer. You're on a downhill slope. You're fixing to slide your way. You might not know it yet, but if you no longer enjoy your job, you're absolutely looking for another one. You just don't know it yet. Joy gives us strength to endure the difficulties of life. Here's another one. Sign you might be joy deficient. You don't enjoy celebrations. You don't enjoy celebrations. You don't enjoy being at birthday parties and anniversaries. and You just don't enjoy those things. That's a sign you're needing a joy shot. Because the truth of the matter is our God loves to celebrate. And he gives us multiple opportunities to celebrate in his presence. One of those things is called Sabbath. It's called Sunday. It's called church service. God gave us 52 times a year to enjoy him and enjoy each other. 52 times a year. Then there's like eight festivals on top of that that are Jewish festivals that they were meant to enjoy. Some of those festivals Festivals lasted a week or longer. God intended for you and I 
to enjoy celebration, to look forward to times together when we would laugh. In Luke 15, 7, says, In the presence of angels, there is rejoicing at one person coming to Jesus. There's rejoicing in the presence of angels. So that denotes or indicates God is rejoicing. And the angels are rejoicing at one person coming into the kingdom. I say it again. Some people are going to have to go to class to learn how to just enjoy who they are. And what God has created them to be. And being around other individuals. This is one that really flips me out. I love this one. Zephaniah 3.17, the New Living Translation. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. How many of you have heard the blessing prayer of Numbers chapter 6, 24 through 26? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now we have heard that spoke over us. Dwayne has been speaking that thing over us for decades. But few of us understand how powerful that really is. A Jewish child had that blessing spoke over them every night. And they understood it in a way you and I do not understand it. When, when it says... He makes his face to shine upon you. I think one of the ways we can understand that is the opposite. Is if I said to you, Steve's face darkened when such and such happened. We know something good isn't going on. His face darkened when so and so entered the room. But when somebody he loved, when Pam or the grandkids enter the room, his face lights up. His face shines on them. The Jewish people knew God was delighted to be with them. God took joy in them being in his presence. And then it says he lifts up his countenance. Have you ever been somewhere and found somebody you really, really love? Maybe you've been missing them. Maybe they haven't been around for a while and you run into them at Walmart or they just happen to show up at your house. I think the thing that comes to mind is when a man has been gone away to the, to the army or something, and then he surprises his family, and he knocks on the door, and the wife opens the door, and you just watch. The joy of that face, absolutely. You can't help but laugh at that and, rejo- and feel something on the inside of you when you see that event take place. He lifted up his countenance. She lifted up her countenance. You and I need to come to grips with the fact that God actually likes being with us. You know, I think most Christians believe God just puts up with them. That he just has to because you're saved and so he's forced to deal with you. But God actually takes delight in you. He lifts up his countenance when you show up to prayer, when you show up to praise. He absolutely is ignited with joy. And when you know that, it makes prayer a whole different thing. When you understand, like for me, I'm sorry, I love my kids, but my grandkids are the cat's meow. My grandkids are God's reward for not killing my kids. 
When I see, I got to spend some time with one of my granddaughters and her boyfriend the other day. We took them to lunch. And it was just such a joy to be with them. There was no pressure. There was no, oh, I can't believe I have to. I was so looking forward to it. That's how God feels about you. That's how God is about you. And most people serve a God that just demands and commands when we serve a God that supplies everything we have need of. The Bible says all things were created for his good pleasure. All things. That includes you and me. Yeah, but pastor, you just don't understand. I'm a mess. I know it, but you're God's mess. And he loves you. I've had kids that are a mess, but I love my kids. Right? It's not based on them. It's based on who I am. I have joy. I bring that joy into the relationship. These are signs. But let me tell you the one I really wanted to end on today. This is the one that's going to shock you. You don't want to share your faith or you don't witness anymore. Psalm 51, 12. David says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And then he says this, And give me, make me willing, he says, Then... Restore unto me that joy that I had when I was saved. Make me willing. Then I will teach transgressors your way. You know, when I first got saved, I was crazy for the Lord. I mean, I I didn't have any knowledge. I really thought Job was a book about jobs. That's the truth. I didn't didn't know. I hadn't read it. I, I really believed divers had temptations, and I was glad I wasn't a diver. But I love Jesus, man. I actually, truly love Jesus. And I'm sharing Jesus everywhere I went. So much so that my family thought I'd lost it. And then what happens? What happens to most of us? We start hearing all the rules and the regulations. And you got to do this and you got to do that. Do you know I still love my salvation? Because I did get bogged down in all that crazy. I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a religious home. I didn't have a bunch of stuff to overcome. Shame of not being this, shame of... I was just glad God loved me. And I went out sharing that love. And I didn't know anything. I knew one verse, John 3, 16. That's all I knew. I didn't know any Greek and Hebrew. I didn't know all these... I just knew I missed hell and made heaven. And I was excited. And most of us were. And what I would encourage us in this closing here is this idea of, let's ask the Lord... To restore unto us the joy that we had when we first got saved. So that we would be happy. You know why a lot of people don't come to church when we invite them? We look like we've been sucking prunes and (laughs) lemons or something. If we would have that joy restored unto us that we missed hell and made heaven and the God of the universe loves us. We would be more willing to share because we serve a world that is in desperate need of some hope and some peace and some joy and some love. And we are the containers of God to pour that out on our world. Amen. I'm done. Amen. Pastor Lee may be done, but we're not done. Uh, We're going to sing one more song, and it's a song that we only sing at Christmas time, but I've said we should sing it all year round.
Um, it was uh, hymn number uh, hymn number one twenty five in the Baptist hymnal, and um, uh, it's joy to the world. Um, what Pastor Lee ended up with talking about the joy that we have in in the simple things of our faith, just getting saved, as simple as that is. But I, I challenge you to remember what that first feeling that you had was. I, um, I was looking at Facebook early, early this morning, and um, Alice Cooper's testimony came on. Um, Alice Cooper was an old rocker that had weird stuff and mascara. He was the first person to do that, I think, and it would, was running down his face like he was crying. Um, and he, I think he bit the heads off chickens or something like that. But he got, oh, Pam, is, Pam corrected me. That was Ozzy Osbourne. Um, same thing, d- different guy. Um, but he talked about, in that thing about getting saved and that Jesus made the difference in his life. And I've been talking about that for several weeks now. People like, um, oh, what's her name, the tattoo artist, Kat Von D. Um, the difference that Jesus makes in a person's life. And we uh, sometimes take it for granted if we've heard it all our lives. But that joy, I, I challenge you, go back to that, uh, that early joy that you had early in your faith. And as we sing this song now, um, just remind yourself of that. Joy to the world. Take it away.
As always, if you have a prayer need, I would encourage you to not leave here without um, having somebody just pray for you. Pray that prayer of agreement that where uh, two or more agree is touching anything that they'll have what they ask for. All right? So don't leave. Talk to me. We will we'll pray about that. Um, we're going to move right into a time of fellowship, joyful fellowship. And um, we'll move some chairs around here in a few minutes and set some uh, tables up because we'll do that right in here. And there will be an announcement when the line forms. And we'll have a, uh, we'll have a prayer to bless the food. And, um, and we'll increase our joy by eating. Amen. All right, let me pray for us as we're dismissed to do some work right now. All right? Father, thank you for the joy that we have in Jesus. That's not just um, December 25th. It is year-round. We have access to that joy, and as Pastor Lee taught this morning, we need to avail ourselves of that joy because it uh, it's our health, it's our uh, uh capacity to to be health to others and to be an encourager so father may we 300 the other 364 days a year may we uh, be mindful of being a joyful person because we have that in jesus and it's in his name we pray amen